This is Unconventional Knowledge, the podcast that takes a look at the information hidden below the surface. Each episode, we ask an expert to give us an insider's perspective on a current event. Today, Stefan Hedlund, professor of Russian studies at the Uppsala University, looks into the strategic advantages that NATO will gain if Finland and Sweden join the alliance. The accession of Finland and Sweden to NATO now looks increasingly likely. There are remaining questions regarding ratification by Turkey, but expecting that those will be straightened out. What are the implications? First and foremost is that this shows the hollow nature of the Kremlin's aggressive posture towards the Nordic region. The threats that were issued at the outset of the year, should the two even contemplate joining NATO, have proven to be releases of hot air. This proves that when Putin encounters resistance, he backs off. It is an important takeaway. Looking beyond the Kremlin's failure to prevent this outcome, the main question concerns what it will mean for the northern flank of NATO. Would the emergence of a coherent Nordic bloc make a difference in its relations to Russia? The inclusion of Finland and Sweden will enhance the capabilities of the alliance in two important ways. One is geography. The Baltic Sea will no longer be a security gray zone, and Finland's 1,340-kilometer border with Russia will no longer be a source of concern about a land invasion that could threaten NATO in the north. The combined outcome will be a degradation of the Russian security situation in the Nordic and the Arctic regions. The second is that both countries have a long track record of successful cooperation with NATO. Both have four structures that are NATO-compatible, and both have been alternately designated as NATO partner number one. Accepting that Finland and Sweden will add serious strength to the alliance, what does this in turn mean for the future position posture of NATO's northern flank? The main asset of a new Nordic bloc is its combined air force. Denmark, Norway, and Finland will all be flying the American F-35. Once contracted deliveries have been completed, the three will jointly be flying a total of 143 of these powerful aircraft. To this may be added 96 Saab Gripen fighters in the Swedish Air Force. All told, the four will be operating 239 top-of-the-line combat jets. The Finnish and Swedish Air Forces have in recent years conducted numerous bilateral tactical exercises. They have ample experience of drills together with NATO aviation. They will be supported by the advanced Swedish Airei Airborne Early Warning and Control Radar System, and they will be operating from airfields that are close to critical Russian infrastructure and basing areas. A second dimension where the inclusion of Finland and Sweden into NATO will be a real game-changer concerns the Baltic Sea. While the two countries were neutral, the Russian Baltic Sea fleet could expect to move with a good deal of impunity. Operating out of naval bases at Kronstadt, outside St. Petersburg, and at Baltisk in the Kaliningrad exclave, the main adversary would be smallish Polish, German, and Danish naval assets. An important part of the Russian lock on the Baltic was the fortress at Kaliningrad, which posed a formidable threat to NATO naval movements. A swift Russian airborne assault to capture the demilitarized Swedish island Gotland, strategically located in the center of the Baltic, would have made that lock even more formidable. Looking forward, the Baltic Sea will now for all intents and purposes become a NATO lake. 
where the Russian Baltic fleet may operate only with NATO permission. At a time of crisis, it would be bottled up at its bases. One means to achieve this may be found in ongoing discussions between Finland and Estonia on anti-ship missiles that would effectively throw a barrier across the Gulf of Finland. Given that the distance from Tallinn to Helsinki is only 87 kilometers, shore batteries on both sides would ensure that no Russian surface vessels could pass into the Baltic without permission. A second means may be found in Swedish submarines. While Finland had, has been prohibited from developing submarines of its own, the Swedish Navy has a long tradition of operating sophisticated subs in the tricky brackish waters of the Baltic Sea. In a crisis, they may be relied upon to undertake aggressive mining of Russian ports and to lie in stealthy ambush for antiquated Russian subs trying to leave their bases. In the southern Baltic, the Kaliningrad fortress will be opposed by Danish missile defenses and Air Force assets on the island of Bornholm, by stealthy Swedish missile corvettes patrolling the approaches to Baltisk, and by a determined Swedish buildup of assets on Gotland. The inclusion of Sweden and Finland will finally also add ground forces that have considerable experience of operations in mountainous Arctic territory. Together with Norway, they will present a powerful threat to Russian basing areas on the Kola Peninsula that are home to Russia's northern fleet and to an important component of its nuclear forces. The long border between Finland and Russia will in this process be transformed into a major Russian vulnerability. In a crisis, Finland can mobilize 280,000 highly motivated troops, supported by the most powerful artillery force in Europe. This force could translate into a very bad day for Russia. A baseline scenario for future developments will depart from the ongoing degradation of Russian military capabilities. Intelligence gathering from the battlefields in Ukraine has provided stunning insights into the dependence of Russian arms manufacturers on electronics from Western manufacturers. Import substitution will at best cover a small fraction of the future needs for such components. This implies that the considerable military-industrial capabilities of the Nordic countries will have a serious edge in creating and widening a major technological gap versus the Russian military. Some of the big players have already made major contributions to Ukraine, and with markets booming, they may now be expected to invest heavily in R&D. A second component is improved force coordination. With Finland and Sweden inside the alliance, it will be possible to formalize and extend long-ongoing forms of cooperation. One possibility is that the Nordic bloc assumes full responsibility for the NATO air policing mission, which has been protecting the skies over the Baltic states. Another is a joint Nordic command for the Arctic. Russia has invested heavily in a military presence in the region, building modern bases and setting up dedicated Arctic brigades. As much of the latter capacity has now been wasted in Ukraine, a joint Nordic Arctic command would have a serious edge, allowing it to contain Russia. The third and most speculative component of a Nordic bloc concerns foreign and security policy. Following the end of World War II, there were discussions on the formation of a Nordic defense union. As Denmark and Norway preferred to join NATO, while Finland and Sweden chose neutrality, that came to nothing. If the four could presently manage to resuscitate old plans on tighter cooperation, this time inside NATO, it could result in a formidable force. The weak link in this scenario is Sweden. Where Finland responded to the Russian aggression against Ukraine by reaching a speedy and near-complete political consensus on joining NATO, 
Sweden is being dragged into the alliance kicking and screaming. Opinion polls still show a majority in favor of NATO, but society remains marked by powerful anti-NATO and anti-American sentiments that influence the political sphere. When and if it is admitted, Sweden will be a recalcitrant member, with strong domestic opinions that clamor for the government to sign a ban on nuclear weapons, to say no to the stationing of U.S. forces, and to proclaim it will not send troops to defend other NATO members. None of this will be helpful in showing common resolve against Russia. The outlook for Nordic military-industrial cooperation is also clouded by less-than-cordial relations between Sweden and its neighbors. The Swedish government had hoped that Norway and Finland would opt for its Gripen fighter jet, a choice that would have provided a substantial boost to Nordic military-industrial cooperation, but both opted for the U.S. F-35. There is also a sour track record of failed cooperation between Sweden and Norway on building the Archer self-propelled howitzer and on the joint procurement of new helicopters. Overcoming these obstacles will not be easy. The most challenging task for a Nordic bloc would be to come together on a Nordic foreign and security policy. The war in Ukraine has provided ample evidence on how Finland will be ready to join an alliance composed of the Baltic and Central European states, minus Hungary, that may include Denmark and Norway, and be backed up by the US and the UK. Sweden has, in contrast, shown it will side with Germany in procrastinating and in catching every opportunity to promote negotiations. It is like Germany in having a strong pacifist community, a strong presence of Russia sympathizers, and a seriously downgraded national defense. The latter case casts doubt on whether it will be able to simultaneously provide assistance to Ukraine and embark on rebuilding its own military. The bottom line is that while the emergence of a coherent Nordic bloc could make a major difference both to internal NATO relations and to its future relations to Russia, the likelihood of this scenario emerging is not very high. I hope this explanation from Stefan Hedlund helped you to understand the implications of NATO expansion in the Nordic region. If you would like to know more about this topic, please check out our website at gisreportsonline.com or follow us on social media.